Um, I'm Michael McNally. I'm an employment lawyer the, in the Pannoni employment team, joined today by Stephen Much, who's also an employment lawyer in the team. Um, Steve, there's been the recent case um, reported where Carnival Cruises um, were reported to want to fire and rehire 900 staff members, and that's caused some controversy. They've since said that that's not what the plan is and they're withdrawing that. So today we're going to talk about fire and rehiring. So I wondered if you could just tell us a bit about what is fire and rehire. Yeah, so fire and rehire is sort of the cause celebre, I think, at the moment in employment circles. It's getting a lot of publicity. Uh, and what it is, is essentially it's the mechanism by which employers can change the terms and conditions of employment of their employees. So uh, under the, the UK law, if you have a contract of employment that says what your salary is, where you work, things like that, it's not actually lawful for an employer uh, to change that without your consent. Uh, and so one of the mechanisms that uh, has historically been used in order to sort of force through changes to employees' terms and conditions is actually to dismiss them and re-engage them on mm. the, the, the newly proposed yeah. terms after a sort of consultation process. Um, and that is the process that's caused a lot of sort of consternation among people. And it's become a bit of a, it's come a bit of a bet noir. It's a little bit like zero hours contracts mm. where I think yeah. it's become a bit of a sort of political hot potato. People are talking about it where, where it's actually, there's a, I think sometimes there's a, a lack of understanding about what it actually is. Um, why do you think it is that it's getting so much sort of publicity or coverage at the moment? Well, there's been some quite high profile cases, which have obviously been then promoted by the unions and picked up by the media. Um, the main one, which wasn't actually fired and rehire, but a lot of people will have heard of, was when P&O Ferries um, dismissed several hundred people last year. A lot of politicians then picked up on that and said, we need to outlaw fired and rehire. But in their situation, they'd simply fired a number of um, staff in order to replace them with agency workers. But there's also been some other high profile cases. Um, British Gas offered um, staff new terms and conditions. If they didn't accept those terms and conditions, they would lose their job. I think around 500 people ended up losing their job in that situation. So there's been quite a few well-reported cases that have been picked up by the media. And then obviously off the back of that, politicians have come out and said, we're gonna need to, to, to deal with that. Um, in some way. And from your perspective, do you think that the concerns of the media and politicians are justified? I'm not sure, to be honest, because there are a number of sort of high profile examples. So again, just recently, Angela Rayner has come out and said that if Labour get in, they're going to end fire and rehire. Mm. I'm not sure that necessarily they, it, it, it's become something that's synonymous with sort of big, bad employers mm. doing over their employees. And actually, usually the reality is a little bit more complicated than that. Um, the, the Asda boss recently has been sort of hauled over the coals, hasn't he, in front of the, yeah. the, the business committee because um, they were going through sort of what he denied was a fire and rehire process with some of his employees. They had a sort of a certain payment that, that certain employees in the Southeast were getting that they wanted to get rid of. Um, and he was sort of saying, oh, actually, it's a consultation process and we're hoping to agree mm -hmm. a, a compensation thing. And then, you know, it's in the papers that the the, the trade one of the trade union bosses was saying, well, I don't accept that. If it, you know, if it sounds like a duck and looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of, they're, they're desperately trying to say, we're not doing fire and rehire because it's got that sort of negative connotation yeah. associated with it. And that's sort of one of the important things because 
you can almost leave the legal stuff to one side because we, we can tell you, you know, because it is a perfectly legal mechanism to affect these changes. But the reality is, is that it's, it's causing such negative publicity for larger employers mm. and for employers that do have a sort of a public profile that that's becoming more important than whether actually mm. it's, it's, it's and, lawful or not. And we both know it's, it's actually, it is a last resort. Very yeah. few in my near 20 years of uh, practice in employment law, I've spoken about it with lots of clients but it's actually rare that clients will go down it on a, a large scale. It might yeah, be for one it, or two engineers in a business, but certainly not. The 500 that you've got with British Gas, for example, that was quite a, yeah, a rare scenario. Most of the high profile cases you talk about, very large scale, well-known employees that are usually in significant financial difficulty. And that's why they're having to go through some sort of drastic process. A lot of the stuff that you know, I've dealt with has been more limited. You're talking maybe five or six employees, sort of senior management yeah. teams. Maybe they've got incentives or bonuses that are sort of historic and they don't really make sense anymore. That's a big reason for it, isn't it? Not just financial difficulties. It's when you've got historical terms that are well out of kilter. Yeah, there's with, shift with premiums and shift patterns that have gone by the wayside. Or, you know, you've, where you've got very long-standing employees, mm. you know, who've got benefits that are just not, you know, in, in line with market rate or in line mm. with market value um, and the sort of legacy issues that need to be dealt with. But most of the time, it's usually people, it, it's a difficult thing because everyone's very concerned that, you know, you're threatening to sack your employees. You know, you're trying to bully them into, into giving up their terms and conditions. But the flip side of that is, you know, the law requires you if you're going through a process that might end somebody's employment, mm. the law requires you to tell them yeah. and to warn them that that's a possibility. Mm. Similarly with the redundancy situation, you know, oh, how dare you threaten us with redundancy? Well, actually, if there's a possibility that we're going to have to make you redundant, the fair thing to do is to, is to pre-warn yeah. somebody about process, it. Yeah. So actually this sort of, you know, you're trying to bully us and, and you, you, you know, you're going to sack us if we don't. Well, the reality is, is that, you know, in order to be legal, most of these situations the the, the 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 sort of threat of dismissal is we're going to dismiss you and offer you an immediate new job, mm. but just on the new terms. So yep. it's not like, you know, accept this or you're down the road. That's not really what we're what we're talking about. And it's worth mentioning as well, isn't it, that an employer can't simply choose to do this um, without having a good reason for it. So they no. will ultimately, for example, if, as it happened with British Gas, employees don't necessarily take up the new terms, they can bring unfair dismissal claims and the employer's going to have to justify that they had a fair reason for making those changes. Yeah, and, and, and one of the cases that I dealt with, you know, that's what exactly the tribunal were unhappy with. So there was, a, I dealt with an issue where there was a historic benefit that a number of employees got that didn't really make sense anymore. They felt it was unfair to the rest of the employees because mm. some people doing the same job, some people were getting paid more than that. And they went through a consultation process, asked people to remove this certain benefit. The people said no, they pushed it through and eventually dismissed them, but effectively offered them re-engagement yeah. on the new terms. Mm. And the tribunal said, we're happy with the process you followed, but we're not happy that you had a good enough reason. Mm. You know, internal equity amongst your staff wasn't a good enough reason mm. to, to, to actually go through that. So again, and I'm sure your experience is the same, most of the time it's a negotiation process to yeah. say, yeah. you know, you've got four or five people, you know, we don't want to have to go down this road of, of pushing things through. I mean, we, we, we've had a discussion before that, it, you know, the dismissal is often called the nuclear option, isn't it? To say- Yeah, it is very much a last resort. Yeah, and, and employees don't want to do it. And <clears throat> to be honest, one of the conversations I've had with a number of employees when they discuss this is, you've got to think very carefully about whether you are actually gonna go through with it and dismiss people. Mm. Because what I've seen has happened before 
is you approach 10 people saying, <clears throat> well, we're going to dismiss you if, if you don't accept the new terms. Mm. Six of them accept the new terms, four of them don't, and then they're left where they are. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, that causes unrest because employees, employees sorry, are thinking, you know, well, if I'd have just stuck to me guns or, or, or you know- Although that does in, happen, doesn't it? I've had situations where it's been a threat. Um, the employer's not wanted to go through with it. They've just taken the acceptances where they can find them leave people who refuse on the existing terms and then quite often we'll deal with the changes for new employees. Yep. So new employees will then get new contracts and you might have those four or five people who've held out. Sometimes they may have to dismiss them, but occasionally, or quite often I'd say in my experience, employers will put up with that difference unless there's pushback from the employees. And again, if it's smaller scale things in terms of you know, small number of employees or more limited issues, there are other ways to deal mm -hmm. with it. You know, you can wait till people leave, you know, deal with it by attrition. You yeah. know, if you've got a number mm -hmm. of staff who are on different terms with other people's, you wait until they're, they're finished. The other way to deal with it for a lot of employees is promotion. So yeah. actually what you can say to someone is, you know, we'd love to offer you this brilliant new promotion, but by the way, your hours are going to be longer and you don't get your, your mm. commission anymore. You don't get your bonus anymore, but that's what you want, you know, or we'll get, you know, your pension's going to be different. Yeah, but that's what's quite you, a lot. Yeah, that's it? what we're going to want if you progress. Um, okay, then. So we've had the, there's been a lot of talk in the media about how it needs to be outlawed. The government have said they're going to do something about it. What have they done over the last couple of years? Well, it's the, you know, again, it's, you don't want to necessarily be make too many comments about this kind of thing, but there's been a lot of talk about it over the 18 months. But in terms of legal changes, it's actually been limited. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had um, ACAS produced a report on it back in 2021. There was a private member's bill that was blocked, probably because the private member's bill, if you looked at it, was was a rather sort of towards the severe end mm -hmm. of, of, of dealing with this issue. Um, that, but where we're up to now is we've got a, a draft code of practice so there is a draft code of practice, which really talks about uh, an employer being required to do the same things that it would be for an unfair dismissal claim yeah. anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's really sort of trying to codify what an employer should do in those circumstances. Um, there's no timeline for that being introduced. There is potentially going to be an uplift to compensation available for staff if that code of practice isn't, isn't followed. followed yeah. But really, again, for me, some of it is around you know, the, the the various government being seen to be addressing this mm. issue or being seen to be doing something. I'm not sure there's been a, a marked change in what the law actually actually is. I think the law still mm. remains that if you pick a fair business reason for wanting to make changes to your employees, if you go through a consultation process, you know, there are a lot of occasions where that's going to be a lawful dismissal. The question then becomes, is it worth it if you're sort of dragged through the papers mm. or, or or you get sort of a bad name or a bad reputation for having done it? But it comes back to what you said before. It's one of the reasons I think that they haven't been able to push through um, outlawing it, for example, with the private members bill is because, and the government said this, I think, with the private members bill, the reason they objected to it is because sometimes businesses, for financial reasons, will need to make that change. And as you said, fired and rehired, it sounds bad, um, but actually it, the nuclear option, but it's also a valid way of effectively um, protecting the business, ensuring employees can keep their job, isn't it? So there are legitimate reasons for actually yeah, using yeah. it. Yeah, and, and again, when when you look at it from another angle, the flip side is it is is that an employer is forced to dismiss people when it wants to change their terms and conditions because they can't just change them. Mm, so again, protection, yeah. we've had these conversations before where a lot of 
employers try and build flexibility into their contracts mm. to say, well, look, you know, we can change, make these changes, if you know, but, you know, employment tribunals don't like that. So really, mm. actually, what you're talking about is it being protection from employees for employees, yep. because rather than just being able to say, well, look, we can change your terms or get rid of your pension or get rid of your shift allowance or get rid of your shift premium, what you're doing is you're forcing employees to go through a much more prolonged process with a lot of risk attached to it mm. that makes it much more, more yeah. difficult. Mm. Um, so again, so I think we've touched on it briefly, but what, you know, should we go through some of the steps that employers are looking, that an mm. employee would have to go through if it was looking at this issue? So say it had a, a set, uh, you know, employees on a set of term conditions that it was looking to, to get rid of. Yeah. You know, what are the usual steps that an employer would Well, the start point, is, as you know, is what's in the existing contract, because sometimes um, it might be that the existing contract gives the employer the ability to make changes. Um, then the next step is obviously consultation with the employees. But what they would need to consider as well is at what stage um, they would introduce the possibility of dismissal and re-engagement, fired and rehire, and whether they would, would want to go down that route. Because as you've touched on, there's the publicity side of things, but there's also, as we know, there's, there's legal obligations. So for example, if there's going to be 20 or more at risk of, of fire and rehire within a, a 90 day period, then there might be an obligation to collectively consult with employees. So that adds an extra um, legal burden. And, th and that's what happened with that with the Carnival Cruises case, isn't it? So yeah, so they had to issue the, 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 the form to the insolvency office. That brought it to light. They've said, actually, we weren't intending to do this, but we knew there was a risk it might become an option later on. So we had to file a form. And again, I've got some sympathy with them because because number one, it's, it can be a criminal offence for you to not mm. file that form um, um, with, with the Secretary of State. So they've sort of done it as a precaution. They were probably legally advised mm. to say, look, if this is even a possibility, you've yeah. got to make sure you do it because there's ramifications for not. And then there's got some publicity about it and they've had to backtrack and say, mm. sort of, oh, we're definitely not doing that. So uh, I've got some sympathy with them really because what they were trying to do is is comply with their legal obligations. Yeah, and as you say, it's criminal liability. And what, what some clients have done, um, some of my clients in the past, is they've sort of launched the proposed changes softly. So they've announced at some point we're going to need to make changes. Then from that, they gauge reaction to it. This is assuming that there's not a unionized workforce where they're consulting with the trade union. Um, they let get the message out there that we might need to change the shift allowance, see what pushbacks that there's going to be. And off the back of that, that's when they determine, is this something we'll try and negotiate and push through slowly? Is this something we'll look at dismissal and re-engagement in, in due course, or is it even occasionally they may say, we're just going to try and implement the change unilaterally because we think that there won't be pushback. Eventually everyone will agree to it. And in that scenario, they've avoided having to fire and rehire. There's not the risk of an unfair dismissal claim. And once the individuals start working under the, the amended terms, then the, the problem- Yeah, that, that is the judgment call, isn't it? For a lot of em employers to say, actually, are we going to go through and dismiss mm. people? Or are we just going to say, look, this change is happening. It's happened. Your shift premium's gone, and then yeah. see what people do about it. Because mm -hmm. again, you know, there are you know the options for an employee in that circumstance. You can stand and sue and say, mm -hmm. well, I'm I'm staying in employment, but you owe me the money that you've taken off me. Or the, or really, they'd have to resign their employment. Yeah. And, and it's whether those benefits are important enough for somebody to to resign over. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're taking somebody's gym membership off them, maybe not. But if you're taking the pension off them, you know, maybe that's more. That's why I like the idea of. of getting the message out there, we need to make those changes. And then from there, you can analyze. Because I know of one employer 
Um, they had to, they changed holidays. It was a, a term and condition around holidays. There were 15,000 employees. They decided to unilaterally make the change. And I think two or three people in the end objected and brought tribunal claims. But when they're that big, yeah, two or and, three and, claims. Is and I guess you've already saved them. You know, it's yeah. that thing, isn't it? If you get two or three claims, but you know, you've got, you've, you've saved the, the terms and conditions of relation to that many other employees. You're already ahead of the. Yeah. And you haven't had the bad publicity. You haven't had the, the legal process that you need. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the basic process, isn't it? And in terms of, um, the things that employers need to consider when they may be going down the fire and rehire route is, as we said before, collective consultation might become an obligation. So you need to give yourself sufficient time to elect employee reps, go through that process. Um, they need to give notice under the contract of the changes. So if they're going to say to people, we're going to terminate this current contract, they will need to build in usually the notice periods that the individuals have before the new contract. Yeah, because that's one of the tricky things, isn't it? Because a lot of people, um, you know, if someone's on a longer notice period, say six months or so, because mm. you've got to go through a dismissal process, a lot of people will just hang on with their benefits for as long as possible. Yeah. So actually one of the difficulties that comes up sometimes <clears> is is you dismiss someone on six months notice because you wanted to change their terms and conditions. And then after five months and 28 days, they say, I've changed my mind mm. and actually I will accept the new terms. And what do you do in that scenario? Yeah, so there's normally a cutoff, isn't there, when yeah. to do that? Um, so we've briefly looked at it. What happens if it goes wrong? I'm an employer. I decide to fire and rehire. 500 employees don't accept. What are, what are the risks for me? Yeah, so again, it's one of those things that sort of ramps up with the numbers involved because really what you're talking about in terms of the liability is you potentially got unfair dismissal claims mm -hmm. from uh, the individual. So that's either that they challenge the fairness of the dismissal, so they don't accept the new terms, and then they say, my dismissal was, was unfair. You've also got constructive unfair mm -hmm. dismissal claims where perhaps if you've imposed a change unilaterally, they resign and say, well, you know, I'm bringing a claim against you. Those claims predominantly are based upon people's net lost wages until they find new work. Uh, but again, if you're dealing with five employees, that's going to be a much smaller mm -hmm. number than if you're dealing with five, yeah. 500. Um, it's also worth noting, although it, it doesn't come into uh, play as often as you'd think, there's a statutory cap on our most regular unfair dismissal claims that um, it's a year's gross wages um, or, you know, the, the, the statutory cap sits around £100,000, whichever is the lower. Um, but the, really, again, that is one of the things that a lot of employers have to think about because if you're in an industry where people are going to be able to find new work very quickly, mm. the value of those claims is going to be much lower. Yeah. If you're dealing with people who are working in coffee shops or, you know, are in a business where they are easily going to be able to go around the corner and find another job, the value of those claims is going to be much more limited. But depending on how many staff you've got, you know, it could mm. still be a big number. Um, you've also, again, you touched on collective consultation. So when you're dealing with 20 or more, potentially dismissing 20 or more people, there's an extra layer of consultation that's required. And if you get that wrong, there's a separate um, piece of compensation award called a protective award. And that's up to 13 weeks gross pay for each employee. And again, importantly, that's not based upon the employee's losses. That's just based on the gravity of, mm. of the default. So how bad they think the consultation process was, they basically sort of... Yeah, it's a technical exercise. Yeah, they sort of gauge, gauge the protective award on that, on that basis. Mm. So what have we got in terms of, so I think we've run through, th run through the topic there Ian, and given our thoughts on it. What do we think our takeaway messages for are for clients? A couple each. Yeah, a couple each. So I, I think my, the two things that I wanted to say are, number one, 
I, I think it remains a valid legal and lawful option to change employees' mm -hmm. terms and conditions. So it shouldn't necessarily be overlooked. It's not, it's not something you shouldn't read the papers and think, well, it's unlawful or we can't do it. It is still possible. But I do think because of the negative publicity mm -hmm. involved and because it can be a quite a tricky process, it's something you've got to take advice mm -hmm. on. It's something that you've got to consider quite carefully before you go down that route and you've got to decide essentially whether you're going to grasp the nettle mm. you know is this an important enough issue for you to go through what is going to be quite a can mm. be quite a convoluted process with some risks attached to it yeah yeah and obviously the one that we've touched on a few times um for me would be the publicity angle so we can give you the the, the layout when it comes to the law we can say actually it may not be as big a risk as you think but it's the impact it will be picked up by the media it will be picked up by trade unions and politicians and depending who you are as a business, that might not be something that you want to um, have to deal with. So that's going to be an added consideration as well as the legal risks. Great. Thanks very much.